Hey everyone, just wanted to talk to you about a new project that I'm working on which is called S-Cube SmartEye. So this is an electronic quality management system software that will help you manage all your company documentation. So S-Cube SmartEye is an EQMS specialized for medical device companies. If you are fed up of your paper management system or even if you are not happy of using Google Drive, SharePoint or any other software because they are not adapted to your business, then give a try with S-Cube SmartEye. So visit scube-technologies.com. So scube-technologies.com. If you want, you can also go on the show notes of this episode and you'll find it. Thank you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and today we will present you a video of, or, or some videos that I wanted to present you a long time ago but yeah, I had a lot of uh, things to do in the meantime. So uh, it, it is interviews that I have made during the MedTech Europe uh, forum that I uh, when I was going there in, in uh, Barcelona. Uh, so I have made multiple interviews and I wanted just to, um, to show that to you today because those interviews are really, if I can say, showing a lot of information that can be really important for, for, for you to understand the situation also. To also get an introduction of some products or to also get an introduction of some other part of the world. So um, let's summarize. So we have four interviews today uh, that I will I will share with you. The first interview is with uh, Fabien Roy from the company uh, Hogan Lovells, which is a, a lawyer. So it's a lawyer, uh, a, a, some lawyer company. Um, and Fabien was introducing to us some uh, of the situation that he encounters with his customers, with notified bodies also. So I think it can be a good um, uh, interview to listen just in the case you are looking for a notified body to see also the difficulty that some customers have related to notified bodies. Then we have a second interview that I have made with Peter Oblenis, which is the CEO of Evidence Partner. Uh, so they have a software called Distiller SR. So I had met him there. He explained to me what is this software and said, okay, let's have an interview of it because it looks really great. It's a software that can help you if you are doing clinical evaluation report, for example, to help you to, if I can say, um, make your life easier. I mean, for those that make a clinical evaluation reports, you know how it can be difficult to make that gather all the data evaluation so this software can help you for that so and Peter will present that to you the third interview is with uh, Ronald Bouman so I spend a lot of time with Ronald Bouman during this uh, this uh, event I really like this, uh, this this person so um, we had a lot of fun uh, looking at uh, all the event and discussing about uh, the situation so at the time I made the interview with Ronald uh, he was part of the Emergo group and then uh, he moved now, he created his own uh, company, so uh, Boomans Regulatory Consulting, yeah. And um, during that moment, he, he was explaining to us about Udamed. So Udamed, potential use of Udamed in future. So we are not talking about the use now, but in future. So he was explaining to us what can maybe be Udamed in the next future. And this can be really interesting. I mean, 
if it's just assumptions, but we hope maybe this can become live for some of those elements. Um, and um, and yeah, so I hope yeah you will you will see um, yeah if I can say the, the same thing. So if you have also some comments or some assumptions about you, Damien, don't hesitate to put that on the comments, and then we can review that or start a discussion if I can say also about it. And the last interview I had is with um, the team of Mekomed. So Mekomed is the equivalent of MedTech Europe, but in the Middle East. Uh, so I had uh, uh, Rana Shaloub and uh, Ina uh, Nadelweiss that uh, were with me uh, and we discussed about what is Mekomed, um, if Mekomed has also this kind of MedTech uh, forum uh, meeting that they are doing in the Middle East. Uh, so they are located in Dubai and I had already made some intervention for them uh, for, for the for the Mekomed uh, group. So um, I think it could be also interesting for you if you are also planning to go to the Middle East to understand what's the situation there uh, with uh, with the regulations, with the compliance, with all those things. So I hope you will enjoy those interviews so they will go uh, one after the other. Uh, but each time at the beginning, I make a small introduction also, so you will hear uh, who is uh, talking and what we are we are doing. So thank you and talk to you at the end. Hi, everybody. So I'm here with Fabien Roy, who is a lawyer uh, at Hogan's and... Hogan Lovells. Hogan Lovells, okay. So uh, I just wanted to discuss with uh, Fabien about the last year, what's happening since one year now, since MDI is happening. So Fabien, you are uh, having a lot of customers in medical devices, manufacturers. Yeah. So uh, can you give us just an overview of what, if your work changed, if you had new kind of... Uh, problems to solve as a lawyer for your medical device manufacturer within this last one year? Yeah, so um, yeah, first thing is it's a very busy period for the industry and, and for us also as lawyer consultant and, and we see uh, really a trend in uh, more issues you know faced you know by our clients you know, more issues you know in particular during conformity assessment process okay. Or to identify also notify bodies. You know? That's that's a big issue. You know when um, a company wants to uh, uh, see market product, you know okay. for the EU market, they need to find a notify body. It's it's like a, a nightmare for them. You know finding the notify body with the right you know code you know to, to conduct the conformity assessment, get a quote, you know get the agreement. You know sometimes we are already at three months. You know? Okay. Then once you have the agreement, you need to engage with your notify body, and that's where we see a lot of issues. You know, um, no communication uh, or lack of communication, lack of transparency on the process, no information about the timeline for conducting the conformity assessment. Um, so all of that, you know, for our clients, you know, is, is very uh, troublesome. You know, a lot of uh, companies must also provide information to their uh, uh, management, to the board, you know, to their uh, uh, shareholders, and they cannot provide this uh, level of information. Uh, key questions, for example, when are you going to finish or complete the conformity assessment? It's a question mark. Of course, it, de it depends on, on the review or, or is it uh, going on, but there is no... Um, Time frame, you know, yeah. there is no uh, set uh, uh, timeline, you know, as we can see in the pharma industry, exactly. for example, 210 days, you know, yeah. for marketing authorization application with clock stops. Okay, but we don't have this similar, you know, uh, rules for uh, for medical devices. So what we say to clients is, you need to come 15 to 18 months, yeah. you know, from A to Z for your conformity assessment, and. Um, Make sure that you continuously engage with your notify body, have regular meetings with them, so that you can keep track on the progress. You know, make sure they are engaged with you and, and give you feedback. 
So in terms of, um, as you said, the clients, at which stage they are contacting you? So what is the, because as you said, I, I don't think they contact you to choose a notified body, or maybe, I don't they know. Do. They, do. they do contact yeah, you yeah. even for to choose a notified body, okay. And at which stage you start to have really a lot of problems with notified bodies? Um, so we don't have issues with all notified bodies, you know, but with certain or for certain uh, files, we do um, already, you know, at the contractual stage, you know, okay. no response, you know, even if we agreed on on, on a quote with the client, um, no response, you know, at the beginning of the conformity assessment for the dates, you know, when okay. are you going to be audited, you know, for quality management system for your technical documentation? Without the dates, you know, you cannot plan. Yeah. So that's where we have issues. Uh, and sometimes, um, well, we expect a response, you know, on, um, let's say, you know, the, the first round of question on the technical documentation, we expect response by a specific date, yeah. and two, three, four weeks later, still nothing. And despite, you know, uh, sending emails, you know, the client doesn't have responses. That's where we got involved, you know, just to, um, um, let's say, um, we launch, you know, the, the, the discussion with, with the notify body and try to escalate a little bit, you know, the, the process, you know. I, I know a lot of people don't like that, but when a lawyer is so involved, yeah. you know, the notify bodies, you know, hearing um, uh, claims by clients uh, more quickly. You okay. know, and we are successful doing that, but, you know, you need to work with your notify body. They are your best friend, you know, to get uh, a CMAP on your product. Uh, but at the same time, um, I think they are a service provider yeah. and we are all professionals, so we need to work together and that's why, you know, um, we try to facilitate the discussion, you know, with the clients and notify everybody and, and, and try to ensure that everyone is reasonable with timeline, with delivery, uh, so that um, well, life can go on and, and device can be on the market. Okay, so in terms of uh, positivity, maybe, I mean, is there any positivity related between your discussion with you and the notified bodies, is there some collaboration? Is there some trying to find some compromises? Or it's like, no, the law is the law, we are following the law or doing that, and we don't compromise on anything? Oh, no, no, they do a lot of compromise, I think. Um, there are a lot of positive things, you know, with notified body when uh, they accept, you know, meetings, yeah. you know, when they accept to openly discuss of a specific issue on classification or on specific technical documentation question. Uh, it's always positive when they, they want to discuss. We had also the case where they accept, you know, to read and communicate position paper that okay. they have prepared uh, uh, together with clients to their own competent authorities because they also acknowledge the issue. Um, they are not the one to be blamed, you know. Yeah. They are also suffering, you know, from uh, the volume of work, you know, and, and the tension, you know, in, in the regulatory system. So there are a lot of positive... Uh, uh, aspect, you know, in, in the collaboration with, with notify body, but of course, you know, all depends on, on the on the person you have in front of you. Exactly. And some uh, people are more open to this discussion, some others are not. Okay. And actually, we are one year from IMDR um, date of application. Uh, in few weeks, it will be IVDR. So you will have, I think, a new run of issues that will happen, I suppose, with customers that are more IVDR focused. Yeah, and we do already uh, for, okay. for at least two years. Um, we are still, you know, racing, you know, to prepare C certification under the IVDD for certain uh, manufacturers. And we are facing issues with some uh, notified bodies, which, you know, we are three weeks ahead of the, the deadline, you yeah. know. Uh, and um, still no response, you know, okay. on the conformity assessment. So 
based on the MDR experience also we have, you know, we wonder whether it will be possible for the notified body to issue a certificate of conformity. Here it's for a, a self-test um, uh, for COVID. Um, so very important, you know, for people today, you know, yeah. and still, you know, we are waiting for a response for more than, than six months on this one. So uh, new, pro new, uh, new uh, deadline, new problems that will come. So yeah, awesome new things that uh, yeah, but we see manufacturers. Yeah, hopefully, you know, we always have a plan B, you know, okay. uh, with every problem, there is a solution or there is a plan B. And um, well, if you need a notified body today for an IVD, it means you're, you're on the Uh, an X2 uh, list or you, are, uh, you have a device for self-testing and so plan B is always you know to move that in our case from self-testing to professional use exactly uh, so it requires you know some changes to the technical documentation of course but it's it's a possibility so we always try to see you know the positive angle you know you have a problem we will try to fix the problem and if we don't you know you will have other solutions to put great, in place great thank you Fabien thank you so pleasure. much thank you Hi everyone so I'm here with Peter Oblenis from Evidence uh, Partners and we'll talk about a certain tool that uh, Peter is providing in his company uh, which is called this Tyler Stiller <laughs> so um, I discussed with him and apparently there is a lot of things that we can do with this tool and I want just to um, to present that to you and maybe I hope it will be beneficial for you. So Peter, thank you for to be here. So we are here at the MedTech Forum Europe in Barcelona. So um, can you uh, tell us more about your company and maybe your the tool that you are providing? Sure, absolutely. So we've provided a tool called Distiller SR. It's a literature review automation platform. Uh, it's used basically to conduct the literature review portion of research such as clinical evaluation reports and whatnot. And it basically manages the entire process and uses AI to accelerate the process uh, as you go through it. Uh, and it does it in a completely regulatory compliant and auditable way. So um, it's used by uh, by the regulatory affairs groups and medical writing groups at different companies. We currently have 70% of the top 10 medical device companies using it in, uh, today. Uh, and it's been around since 2009, so it's been around a long time. It's a subscription-based platform, uh, and, and the reason people are adapting it is it does accelerate the process by, depending who you talk to, but anywhere from 50 to 90% of, of, uh, of the time reduction in doing the literature review portion through screening, data extraction, and so on. Um, they also use it because it dramatically reduces the errors in your data set. So when you get to your audit process, when, you're, when your notified body comes in, you're not going to find problems with your data set. And as you know, finding problems in your data set is hard, trying, trying to detect them and find them and fix them. So, so the tool makes that a lot simpler as well. Um, and I guess lastly, uh, it's used very broadly because it's very configurable. So when I say it's you know a literature review, everybody has a different idea of what a literature review looks like. So it has different stages, different workflow, different people are assigned to different parts of it. You can configure all that yourself. So it, uh, it basically adapts to whatever needs you have. Okay, so when we are creating a clinical evaluation report, uh, we know that it's a lengthy process. You have to understand the scope, you have to find some keywords, you have to, as we said, uh, put some inclusion, exclusion, criteria and select all the data then look at them and find if it is really included or excluded we have to I mean it's, it's a, a, a lot of work so is there on your process still some kind of human activity or it's completely fully automated yeah that's a great question and that's the number one question we get so if anybody tells you it can be completely automated don't buy their product uh, that's that's probably asking for trouble 
again, it's a human in the loop process. So let's just take it through the steps. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's say you're doing a lit review. So you've got your 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 medical librarian or whomever you have design, designing the search, and they're searching the, the databases that are relevant to your product. So it might be well, it's usually PubMed, it's usually Embase or or Web of Science, whatever it is that you're using. You still do that the same way today, but now you point those results at your project in Distiller, at your lit review, and the data will then feed directly into Distiller. Once you've got the data, you typically need to deduplicate it. So Distiller has a powerful AI-powered AI deduplication engine, so you can you can trust it. It's not going to pull out stuff accidentally. Uh, and it also doesn't rely, because it uses AI, it doesn't rely on things being structured exactly the same way, because different databases structure things differently, and that causes problems for a lot of deduplication engines. So it'll deduplicate them for you. It'll, it'll produce a duplication report, so you know what it removed. Uh, you always have an audit trail. Uh, now you need to do your screening. So you develop your screening criteria, which is typically a form with screening questions in it. And those questions have inclusion, exclusion consequences associated with them. You develop whatever that whatever makes sense for your project. And you simply start screening. Uh, or you may, maybe you have two people screening each reference, depending on how you want to do it. But as you're screening the references, Distiller is observing and it's learning which references you like and which ones you don't like. And it starts putting the most uh, useful references towards the top of the list. So you start to find more and more excluded references faster and faster, until at one point, there's nothing left in the list that you really need to review because it's almost definitely going to be excluded. So by doing that, as you know, inclusion to exclusion ratios are huge, right? So you might have a thousand references and, and 30 of them are relevant before you. So you can basically remove a lot of that screening overhead. And you also get to the ones that are important much faster so you can start to go do your full text retrieval. Uh, once, once the references move down to the next stages, you might, might get to full text. So we do integrate with uh, CCC, uh, copyright clearance, and, uh, and uh, reference desk, so you can order your references through them directly from the platform. Uh, if the reference is available for free through on paywall or through PMC, PubMed Central, it'll go get them for you automatically. So it just pulls them right into your project. And then again, you're, you can now read the full text document, fill out whatever data extraction criteria or forms that you've created uh, online or whomever you have doing it. And, and at the same time, if you have multiple reviewers reviewing the same document, Distiller will make sure that their answers are the same, so that if you have conflicts, uh, it will flag those for you. And at the end of the day, it will produce reports that you can put right into your CER, so tabular reports of whatever it is you need. Uh, Prisma flow diagrams are automatically generated, uh, and a bunch of other, you know, basically just your standard reports. And, and if it doesn't have the report you need, you can typically configure it yourself. So. Notify Body can review that. If you ask any question, you can build those reports and provide that to them, and it's really audit trail everything. Correct. So, I mean, the most common, one of the common questions is, did you guys review this particular reference, okay. right? So let's say, uh, did you review this reference by, uh, by Holdman? You can just go into the search thing, type in Holdman, boop, it shows you the references that have that author. You can click on it, you can see exactly who reviewed it, what the results are, um, and when it was reviewed, and basically where it went. So that's all done in like basically a click. Right. So it makes the, uh, and we've heard this from our customers, they say that the notified bodies find the review process much faster because it, because it's so easy to find. And you still have the control, so as we said, it's really an assistant that is helping you, but you still have the control of the process and you, it just helps you to go faster and to, uh, to be more accurate. Right, the, the, the tool was designed 
to adapt to whatever protocol you use. Okay. Not it doesn't force you to use its own protocol. Okay. And so yeah, it's it's your process. Uh, you can configure it to, to to mirror whatever it is you're currently doing. But it, yeah, it not now manages and uh, and uh, manages the entire process. Right. So the tool is called Distiller SR. Yeah, dis Distiller SR. Distiller SR. Yeah. Sorry, my French accent. Distiller SR. So please go and check that. And I hope it will be really helpful to you. So hi everyone, so I'm here with Ronald Boumans, Senior Regulatory Consultant at Emergo by UL. Uh, so uh, Ronald, we are here at the MedTech Forum in Barcelona. Yes. Uh, it's been a long time that we didn't have that on face-to-face. -face. Uh, before we had that online, uh, we had that a lot of things like uh, through Zoom. Uh, and this morning there was uh, some kind of discussion about, yeah, we were a bit fed up of, uh, of, yeah. uh, of yeah. Zoom, yeah. <laughs> Zoom yeah. meetings. So, so how do you find it? Was it same as before COVID, or it's maybe uh, less crowded? Or um, yeah, but it, it feels a lot like uh, like uh, old times. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I did a little survey among some participants, and um, the funny thing is, everybody lost their routine. Okay. So people have forgotten the toothbrushes, deodorant. <laughs> Charger cables. I missed um, my flight, so it's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, so everybody is. So we, we still need to go back to that routine. And, exactly. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't think that, that that survey will be published. It's too embarrassing. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> this is the, the high end summary of it. Exactly. And uh, and uh, yeah, actually, we have a lot of sessions. So we have some sessions about quality regulatory affairs, but also other things like market access, like investment, like technology, etc. Um, we just had a session now about Udamed, so um, I just want to have maybe a summary of what we discussed on, on the Udamed session because it was really interesting. I will not show all session, but maybe if you can have a summary. So you had also um, a presentation where you were talking about Udamed that can be used, what can be the future use of Udamed. Okay. Uh, we talked about uh, manufacturers, about health authorities, about uh, uh, about uh, non national competent authorities, etc. So, can we summarize that again? So, what exactly are the potential? Because it's potential; it's not something that is existing. Potential future use of uh, of Udamed. Okay, so let me see if I get this question clear. Yeah. Um, so we had a 15-minute meeting in which I started with a five-minute summary exactly. of Udamed, and exactly. you want to summarize that into two sentences. Exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, well, the, um, what you see with Udamed, it's a central European data. And national competent authorities have their own databases, and these databases are not talking with yeah. each other. And it, it, and we're going to expect that this situation will remain for some time, for several reasons. One, Udemy is still not mandatory, and two, there are very good legal grounds within each member state to maintain particular data which is not in Udemy. Yeah. So that needs to be there. Now, having said that, I think what, what we should should aim for is to create uh, Udemy as a central um, database in Europe, one golden standard, one truth, and then if you want to have a database, additional data, just add that on top of that. So probably communicate via single registration numbers, UDIs, with Udemy, and the rest of the data, the, the additional data that you need. And having said that, once you start adding things there, still that doesn't solve the whole problem for, for industry. So they will have to enter for each member state a lot less data. But still, they may have to enter data for, let's say, um, local distributors. 
Now the data format for local distributor data entry, preferably it should be all the same all over Europe within all these member states. So it needs to have, you need to have some, some communication. Now the problem is that the European Commission says, you demand, that's what we need to do, yeah. the minimal viable product. The member states only have to, to, to look after their own member states. So who's going to do that? And that's, that's something I think we have a momentum now. There's a need. The, we have to utilize the current databases. The new situation is still open. So I think there's an opportunity there. We need to grab that and somehow, somehow. I think uh, we talked about the six modules that yep. are on Udamed. Yep. So um, we have three modules that are actually available. Yes. There are still three modules that are remaining, so vigilance reporting, clinical investigation, and the last one, which is market surveillance. Yes. So do we think that this module can still be built so it can include maybe requirements from all the regions so that at the end we don't need the national databases? Um, I think the character of markets, the market surveillance module is that is, it is about uh, communication between member states, between competent authorities about um, market surveillance. So that is uh, highly sensitive uh, uh, material uh, that should not be uh, on, the, on the public side. At the moment you talk about national databases, some of the information about, let's say, distributors, about reimbursement. Yeah, true. That is something that could be um, uh, in, the, in the public domain. Yeah. So if you if you would add that to this to this market surveillance module, that that I think that would create a conflict, and that that should not be there. Yeah. Let's let's keep it simple. Um, if if a, a competent authority wants to add something, they should be able to do that, but on on their own terms and within a practical framework. So not not limiting in, in, in terms of, of legal requirements. You cannot ask that. But if you ask this, use this format. Exactly. So, uh, what during the session, yes, we talked about the differences which can be the reimbursement. There were also some requirements related to labeling yep. and institution for So, this is not a new damage actually, but some member states are asking to see the labels in their own languages, etc. Yes, so, this yes. is the thing. Is this also not something that will come with Udamed? Is, uh, do, they, do you think they will plan also that to have on Udamed to have also the labeling and instruction for use? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, at this moment, it's not in Udamed because it's not part of the minimal viable product of Udamed. And this MVP, minimal viable product approach, um, that has serious consequences for the, for the implementation of Udamed okay. and, and the, the nice to haves. It's not required, but it's nice to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, that will take years before yeah, it's there. Exactly. I think if mem member states do these extra things, like like uh, 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 labeling instructions for use in their own language, I think that is something that is uh, that is. Uh, I understand why they do it, and, and we should respect that. Okay. Uh, that, that, that request. Um, if they do that in in a standardized way. We may see that grow into uh, an additional module or an extension of a, of a current module, maybe the devices module in Unimed. Okay. But that is just a bit of hope I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope. I mean, we suppose that, as you said, it's an MVP now, minimum viable products, and maybe the EU Commission will have some additional things that to do inside. But for now, we have nothing is, is disclosed there. So, would you have an advice, if I can say, for? regarding Udamed, so in terms of using it 
is it something that we should still wait or is it something that we should go now and use it now? Uh, I strongly recommend start using it. Um, if, if you want to wait, at least start using it in, in, the, uh, uh, in the playground. Okay. So that's, that's not official. But at least you get experience. You, you can build routine. You can, you can test your systems um, and see if it all works. And also by doing it, you provide the authorities with data, data okay. about devices, so that they can test their systems. Okay. So if, if there is in, in the playground only two devices available, that's, that's not, not enough to, yeah. to, to set up a real test for whatever system they have. Okay. And because one, one of the challenges is that if Udemand is fully functional, there will be probably millions of different devices there with a lot of data concerning them and um, who's, who's going to, to, to look at that? Who's going to supervise all that data um, and, and going to search for inconsistencies? Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's just too big, too complex to let that be done by a person. So we, we need to start building systems okay. to do that as well. The next so session is about to start. <laughs> Please proceed to the meeting room. Okay, so, by, uh, so what we are saying is let's use it also to help the EU Commission regarding that side, yes, I suppose. Yes, yes. Right. To help the authorities help. I mean, Unimed is The Medtech Forum sessions are about to start. Please proceed to the meeting room. Okay. So, um, Unimed is there. It's not going to, going to go away. Uh, it is the future. And, um, yeah, work with it um, and, and, and make the best of it. I, I think, from that perspective, I mean, every company has to solve this problem. Yeah. And, um, it's a bit like when you're being chased by a bear, right? If you, you cannot outrun the bear, but you cannot outrun your mates. So if you do make a decent attempt, you may outrun that Udemy bear and, and be safe. Oh, exactly. So thank you, Ronald. I think yeah, it was really a great session. And uh, yeah, if you were not here, I will try to show you also what's happening in the next session. So thank you. Welcome, everyone. So I'm with Inan Adelves and uh, Rana Shaloub from uh, Mekomed and uh, today I just wanted to introduce them and also to um, discuss, I mean, explain to you what, what is Mekomed. I mean, they will explain to you what is Mekomed exactly. So, uh, Ina, uh, Anna, so thank you for being here. Uh, we are here at the BedTech uh, Forum in Barcelona. Uh, so first, can you maybe introduce Mekomed and tell us exactly what it is? Sure, thank you very much, Monir. So Mekomed is the Middle East and Africa uh, Medical Device Trade Association. It's a non-profit organization and, uh, uh, um, and, and the sister organization of MedTech Europe uh, and AdvaMed and other associations around the world. We are also part of the GMTA, which is a Global Medical Technology Alliance. Um, and we're here in Barcelona to finally see the industry um, and uh, some uh, uh, regulators face to face, which is a great opportunity after um, three long years, <laughs> we finally met in person. Great experience and happy to be here in Barcelona. So uh, Mikomed uh, is uh, uh, covering the geographical region of Middle East and Africa, as I have mentioned, yeah. uh, with exception of uh, um, Turkey and uh, South Africa. Yeah. And uh, we are based in uh, Dubai, uh, in the United Arab Emirates. 
um, at this stage. Um, so what we are looking at is basically at um, um, shaping the regulations in the medical uh, device space. Uh, and Rana will talk to you a little bit more about the challenges that the industry is facing and the opportunities that the industry is having in this regard on our region. But we also look at uh, conducting the business in an ethical manner. Okay. And uh, our ultimate, uh, ultimate goal is to make the uh, most innovative and the safest technologies available to the patients of our region. Um, so in terms of the way uh, of uh, how we operate, uh, we have different committees uh, similar to Medtech Europe. So we have the Regulatory Affairs Committee represented here by and led by RANA. Uh, we also have a Compliance Committee, uh, Compliance and Ethics Committee. We have the Market Access Committee that looks at the issues of the reimbursement uh, and market access. Um, we also have a, a newly created digital health committee. You can see that most of the discussions here uh, in Barcelona are happening around the data privacy, around digital health, and this is the way to go forward for the industry. Um, and we also look into some legal issues, some uh, um, employment issues, and uh, other issues that pertaining to the industry. Right. Thank you. So I'll Thank pass you. it over to Rana if you would like to add. So Rana, challenges. So uh, we hear about that. So do we have the same challenges that we have in Europe and the Middle East, or it's really completely different challenges? Uh, effectively, the Middle East is really a very dynamic region, uh, as, as you know pretty well, Munir. So uh, we have really a very diverse region. We have always a new regulation coming from different countries across this region. Uh, we have even changes in regulations. So um, our our key role as MECOMED and as the Regulatory Affairs Committee at MECOMED uh, is that to communicate the message, to raise awareness, uh, the importance of alignment with international standards, international best practice. So to adopt the reliance model, to try to avoid as much as possible the deviations okay. to, to leverage the international benchmarks, whether the IMDRF documents, whether the WHO reliance models. So it's very important uh, to, to move into this direction yeah. because uh, we know eventually now with the MDR and the IVDR it has been an impact on the region because many of these countries rely on the EU jurisdiction. So it's very important that uh, we raise this, uh, this message along and uh, we engage with a lot of capacity building initiatives whether within our own number or even with the regulators across the region uh, to make sure we, uh, we we provide this international expertise that our members and even external uh, external um, subject matter experts are able to provide under for these international topics. Right. Yeah. So um, we are here at the MedTech Europe. Do you have the same uh, kind of forum? like what we have here at the MedTech Forum in, uh, in Barcelona. Yes. We have that also in the Middle East? Yes, we used to have the Middle East and Africa eventually MedTech, uh, MedTech okay. Forum. Uh, during COVID, we had, uh, as, as everyone <laughs> exactly. else, to, to put this on hold, but we're looking forward to launch it back again soon. So, and we'll keep you updated for sure. <laughs> right. Thank you for that. Okay, so it was Mekomet, so thank you. And uh, yeah, I hope yeah, we can see the, this uh, forum maybe next year. Right? Looking forward to see you in the region soon. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. See you in Dubai. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so I hope the interviews, you, you like the interviews. Uh, I think it was really informative for you. Uh, don't hesitate to put comments if you have some comments or if you have any other topics that you want me to cover um, because yeah, mainly there are a lot of things that we can cover. So let me know. And don't hesitate also to put some likes or some uh, some uh, just some good messages uh, just to say that you like what you are seeing. It can help me, it can help also the channel to grow. So don't hesitate to do that. And if you have any questions 
don't hesitate, send me a message at info, I-N-F-O, at easymedicaldevice.com. Info at easymedicaldevice.com. Okay, so thank you very much and I wish you a nice day. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.